Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Thank you, Drew. Praise the Lord. Amen. Verse number 11 says, O Corinthians... Who do you think he was talking to? The church at Ephesus? <laughs> do you think he was talking to every, every person in the city of Corinth? Huh? You don't know what to answer, do you? No, he was talking to the church at Corinth. Amen. He was talking not to one Corinthian in the church at Corinth, but all of the Christians there, the whole church. Amen. And so in verse 16, he's still talking to the whole church. That is that local church. And what agreement, verse 16 says, has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Now we know we have a history, a Bible history. And even the Corinthians, though a lot of them uh, had come out of paganism. Uh, but also a lot of, of Jews in Corinth had come to Christ. So it was a church of, of former Jews and former Gentiles. And the Jews were well aware and acquainted with the temple or the concept of the temple of God. Because, of course, they had the temple in the Old Testament uh, that David uh, laid the foundation for the, or the, gave the, the, uh, uh, the blueprints for, so, so, so to speak, and Solomon, his son, built the temple. But the, but the, the uh, pagans that had come to Christ, the, the Gentile Christians, they, they were familiar with the, with the temple too because there was uh, uh, temples in all of these Greek cities and, uh, and worship went on in these temples. And the temples that were dedicated to foreign gods, to, to, to gods that we know aren't gods but false gods, uh, the people expected the, the, that so-called God to manifest himself in the temple. They went there to worship, but they expected uh, demonstrations of that spirit. We know they were demon spirits. Uh, when we were in Africa last time, was that 2018 or 19? Last time was 16. Well, yeah, when we went to that temple, that was when we were in Malawi, wasn't it? Yeah, was that 16? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Greg went to a, a Hindu temple. He was supposed to have been in church that night, and he went to a Hindu. No, he didn't. <laughs> After the crusade, because Christopher Allen really wakes up about 9 o'clock at night, you know, and uh, he likes to stay up and do a bunch of stuff, you know, and so after the crusade, he wants to go eat. And uh, so we'd go out to eat. Well, anyway, one night, they went to a festival. Pastor Greg went with Christopher. I was teaching the next morning, so I excused, because I didn't want to go anyway. So I excused, I didn't want to go to a temple, a Hindu temple. Uh, so I went to bed. I said, no, I'm not going. I'm going to bed. So they went to a Hindu temple, and there was a presence in that temple. It's the presence of those, of those evil spirits because they worship demons. And they expect something when they come. They, they don't expect it to be just a, you know, a, uh, you know, a PTA meeting or something. They expect those demons to do something. Amen. 
Well, the children of Israel, they had the true God, and the presence of the true God was manifested in that temple. That's where God's presence was. It's where God's glory was. And so when Paul was writing to the church, he said to the church there there at, at Corinth, and it applies to the church right here in High Springs and right here at Impact, you are the temple of the living God. We are the temple of God. Now, that, that should be more to us than just a, uh, an intellectual concept or a mental concept. Amen. We ought to give heed to the reality. Any, any Bible truth that you take for granted just because you know it and you don't live in it and draw from that truth, it's just dead. It's just doctrine. It's just dogma. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know, keep you balanced in a, you know, in time of trouble, keep your doctrine straight, you know, that's always good, but you're not drawing any life from it. And, uh, the, the, the fact that God calls us together several times a week, he calls this church together every week, four times. The church isn't just an assembly of, of Christians who've decided to come together. We, we, we assemble because we've been called together. We've been called together twice on Sunday, uh, on Monday, and on Sunday, I mean on, on Wednesday, every week. And then there are some other times that we have things going on. Uh, we've just started a prayer service on Thursday afternoons for the youth. That's an invitation to the church. Do you think you're called there? Now, if you, I understand people that work can't come at 3, you know, 45 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I understand that. But uh, uh, if you're available, there's a call. Well, if God calls us together, when we come together, we are the temple of God. Therefore, the reality of the temple is, is not something that we touch on once in a while. I might not teach on it very often, but uh, it's something that, that we participate in. It, it's, a, it's an it's an active reality that we participate in a minimum of four times a week. Now, you know, if you're, you may go along for a while and, and uh, you know, you're not having any particular problems in life. You know, your finances are good. Your health is good. Uh, you, you might not be, you might know you're, that because you're a tither that God's promised to open the windows of heaven. But, you know, you're doing pretty good. You're not really thinking about it. All your bills are paid. You know, you might know that uh, Jehovah uh, Rapha is our healer and you might believe in healing, but when your body's well, you're not really focusing on it. But when you get sick, when symptoms come on your body, when, when symptoms come on your finances, it, it sort of wakes you up and focus, doesn't it focus you on those, those truths? Well, we come to the temple of God. We, we come in and, and let me say that differently. That shouldn't have said it that way. This house isn't the temple, of course. We come in and assemble together and become the collective temple of God four times a week. Now, we know the Bible teaches that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But this isn't talking about, over in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he talked about, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Here, he was talking to the church at Corinth collectively. And he was saying that you are you, the church, you are the temple of God. So we are the temple of God collectively. 
Well, because that, I, I, what, I'm, what I'm building up to is because this happens four times a week, we ought to be pretty aware of it. Amen. And I might not teach on it all the time, but when we come together, we should be conscious of his presence. We should be expecting his presence. We should be satisfied with nothing less than his presence. Amen. In the Old Testament, the glory of God filled the house of God. Said at the dedication of the temple that the, that the priest came in and they could not stand on their feet. They could not stand upright to minister in the things of the temple for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Well, we also know that, that the temple and all of the things of the Old Testament were types and shadows of what we have today. They all pointed to the church age. They point, the, the sacrifices point to Christ. The temple points to the church. Okay, are you out there? Come on, I can see you. I know you're there. Those were types and shadows we're living in we're living in the in the reality. Paul said these things that went before are are shadows but the substances of Christ. That means the thing the substance is the thing that casts the shadow. If you hold your hand up to the sun your your hand has substance. This light cast my hand cast a shadow behind me. The Christ cast the shadow all through the Old Testament. He was there. He was cast in the shadow. Well, today, I, I, I get amused sometimes at people who want to just, you know, talk about the Old Testament feast and their churches that just focused on the feast and studying the, you know, all the things that went on. And I'm thinking, you spend all your time looking at the, at the, at the shadow, but the substance is Christ. We have Christ. Well, praise the Lord. I'm not saying there's not something to learn about those things, but dear Lord, you know, let's not blow the shofar in church. <laughs> Amen. Churches that blow, well, I don't, anyway, we'll get off on that. Praise <laughs> the Lord. No, we have Christ. We're in, and the church is the temple, and we're, we're, we're part of the temple of God. And we ought to expect the glory of God. Now, the glory of God doesn't always manifest itself the same way, but there are some, some distinct ways it does manifest. The glory of God does manifest in some ways that we can expect. You know, uh, we are a word of faith church. We, my wife and I founded this church in 1980 against our own will, <laughs> against our plans. Uh, we did it because we really didn't have any other place to go. <laughs> We knew we were called of God, and so we had an invitation to come to this area and teach, so we came, and God raised up a church. Amen. And uh, took a while to convince me of it, but it was happening all along. And, uh, but we founded it from day one, from day one, from the very first meeting we had in Fort White at John and Elaine Hickson's house. We founded it on the Word of God. And uh, back then, you know, this this. Word of faith movement oftentimes was just, we, we were called word churches because we put a strong emphasis and still do put a strong emphasis on the word of God. The word is the foundation. And, and 
A lot of people would say, well, we're found, they're founded on the word, but they're only founded on a part of the word. But it's the whole word. It's everything in the New Testament. Everything that, that belonged to the church in the first century belongs to the church in the 22nd century. Amen. And uh, every truth that the church embraced back then, the church needs to embrace today. So we, we referred to ourselves as the word movement. A lot of times the word or word of faith, but we were word churches. But you know, if you, if you just focus on the word and don't give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to manifest himself, the church can grow, can grow legalist, not, not legalistic in the sense of the law, but can become uh, uh, root. What's the word I'm going to look for? Not ritualistic. Thank you for helping me, but <laughs> you have nowhere, no idea what I'm trying to think of. So uh, it, the church can become just a place of profession where we just study and study and study and study and study, but we don't have much reality. And, and our messages can become very mental. That's what I was really trying to say. Preaching and teaching can be all mental. Because teaching, even by the inspiration of the Spirit, is still uh, a mental process. The Holy Spirit uses the mind to, to enable the, the teacher or the preacher to say things that, that people can understand. It's a mental process that's, that's anointed by the Spirit. But we can become too mental in our uh, approach to God... And we need to remember that he put the Holy Spirit in us. In, we, were, we were saved. We were, his spirit came to live on the inside of us in the new birth. But then we went on beyond that. We were filled with the spirit. Did that make a difference in your life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amen. But then also, collectively, we're the church. And we're the temple of God. And his spirit indwells us. This verse here that we read goes on to say, he said, you are the, verse 16, you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. See, the Lord, the, the, the Lord wants us to be uh, mindful of his spirit because his spirit wants to do things. He says, I will walk among, I will be in them, I will dwell in them and walk among them. Walk is, act, is activity. Someone who's walking isn't comatose. Someone who's walking is, is, is uh, uh, engaging. The Holy Spirit wants to engage us when we come together. Amen. So, you know, we, we need to be mindful that, yes, we're a word church, but we're also a Holy Spirit church. We're a Holy Spirit church. Need to always be uh, uh, yielded to, aware of, conscious of, and then yielded to the Spirit. Amen. Uh, God has set certain things in order. God has established ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And, and he's uh, established uh, that that. The church service be conducted decently and in order. He's instructed that there be teaching and preaching. Paul, when Paul wrote to Timothy, who was in charge of 
of the pastors that were being raised up in the areas where Paul went, he instructed Timothy about church government, talked about, you know, if a man desires the office of a bishop, which is a pastor, he gave him the qualifications because Timothy had been assigned to overseeing uh, the raising up of these leaders. But in those, in those epistles to, to Timothy, First and Second Timothy and also to Titus, he taught continually about preaching and teaching. Actually, he taught, he taught about teaching four times as much as he taught about preaching or instructed about preaching. Preach the word. And then he talked about uh, uh, having good doctrine and laying down good doctrine and speaking. And, that, and the word doctrine in the Greek New Testament simply means teaching. So there was an emphasis upon the word and God has raised up the ministry gifts to make sure that the word is taught. But we always have to be mindful of the fact that God wants to do more than teach. He wants our services to have more than just the, 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 the ministry staff speaking all the time, teaching and preaching and, and, and so forth. He, he, he wants the, the spirit to move in the congregation. Amen. So I'm so blessed tonight that, that uh, Kelsey came forward. She was behind me. Now, she probably questioned in her mind, should I do this, should I not do this, should I do this, should I not do this? Probably more times than that. You know, I'm up here on the platform. The pastor's not asking for anybody. But it seemed like an appropriate time to you, didn't it? It seemed like it was right. You know, now, if if... If Deborah just stands up right now while I'm talking and says, Pastor, I have something I want to share, that would be out of order. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't take a lot of sense to know when things are out of order. But when there's an opportunity, when the Spirit is moving in our service, and it's, and it's, and it's a time where you have something from the Lord, I'm just so thankful that she obeyed. I felt tonight that there were more uh, people who had something that the Spirit would give had given them that they could have shared, but we're not we're not we're not used to it enough. Put it that way. We go too often, or, or we go too too long. We don't do it often enough. We go too long between times where we give, where we have this happening, and then we get out of that flow. We get out of that Spirit, uh, that anointing, the Holy Spirit flow in the service. We get away from that, and then it's hard to, to get back into it. And so let us be mindful, church, as, as uh, going forward in the days, years ahead, this church is a word and spirit church. We must always, always give an opportunity for the spirit to move. Amen. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a challenge for somebody like me because I like to teach. I like it. I enjoy it. Uh, and uh, it's important. God called me as a pastor and a, and a teacher, and, and, that's, that's in, it's in, and I like it. But I can, personally, I know this from my own experience. Personally, I can not give opportunity enough for the Spirit to move. And uh, so uh, I, I told Steve Morgan about the service night, I said, let's, let's spend some more time in worship because I, I felt like we needed to have more time in, in God's presence. 
Amen. So I said, you know, uh, spend a little extra time in worship tonight. And, uh, you know, we, we need this. But we also need to be obedient. Amen. And, and like I said, I, uh, I am responsible sometimes because uh, I don't give opportunity enough because I just, when all else fails, teach. <laughs> Pastor Greg is that way. He's a teacher. And Brother uh, Steve is a, is a preacher. And given the opportunity, we will preach and teach. <laughs> and, uh, but like I said, going forward, we need, we need to be mindful, and I need to be mindful, that we give the Holy Spirit the opportunity. Because he wants to manifest himself. Amen. In the New Testament, you know, well, I say you know, go ahead and turn it, because there's always, you know, folks that, maybe are not as aware as we think they are. No. Not looking down on anybody or anything like that, but uh, not everybody is as familiar with the scriptures as we think sometimes. In first, can I tell you, 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know, there's, there's different kinds of ignorance. There's ignorance that comes from just not knowing. And then there's, not, there's ignorance that comes from not being experienced. Amen. Uh, I am totally ignorant about driving a, a tractor trailer, 18-wheeler. Totally ignorant. I know nothing about it. I could, I could enroll in a driving school and uh, go some, through some classes, get behind the wheel, but it better be in a big yard <laughs> because I'm inexperienced. Knowledgeable, but I'm inexperienced. And a lack of knowledge and a lack of, of experience can still result in a telephone pole being down. <laughs> it could go down either way. And so there's, there's, there's a lack of, of, there's ignorance that comes from not being experienced in things. And uh, in order for, he, he said here, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. It's not God's will that we be uninformed or not experienced in. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Notice that... He says, no one speaking by the Spirit. So there, there is speech that comes by the Spirit. And he was addressing the Corinthian church about speaking that was going on that was of the Spirit. Some of it wasn't, perhaps, but some of it, a lot of it was. It was speaking by the Spirit. And uh, he goes on to say that... Uh, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that you could not just, you know, anybody could, any sinner could just say Jesus is Lord, not even saved. No, he's talking about under the, under the influence of a spirit. Under the influence of, of an unclean spirit or a demonic spirit, that spirit will not say Jesus is Lord. Someone is, that is speaking by a false spirit will not say Jesus is Lord. 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are differences of gifts, there are differences of ministries, and there are differences of workings. The next three verse tells us about. But verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. We need the manifestation of the Spirit. Amen. And it bothers me if we go very long and we don't have uh, sufficient manifestations of the Spirit. And we have tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy occasionally, but there are nine gifts of the Spirit. Amen. And it said the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of, excuse me, of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But notice verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, I, I, I like to, uh, in my Bible, you don't have to do this in your Bible, but in my Bible, I have the word spirit, works, distributing to each one, and as he wills. I have those words underlined. And it doesn't, it doesn't uh, take anything away from the meaning of the scripture, of this verse, doesn't contradict it, contradict it or misinterpret it, but I read it like this, and I, and I have the word the underlined. And I read it like this, the Spirit works, distributed each one as he wills. The Spirit works. I said the Spirit works. The Spirit is always working. Amen. And the Spirit is always distributing. Not as I will, not as you will, but he's always distributing. That tells me that the Spirit is, is always working. And the manifestations of the Spirit are, are things that we ought to have on a frequent basis in our church. Amen. Glory to God. So this talks about manifestations of the Spirit. Then there are also, and that's, we, we call them the nine gifts of the Spirit. I like to use this explanation or this terminology. These are the nine manifestations of the Spirit. Because when you, a lot of people have some, some ideas about gifts of the Spirit that aren't biblical. A lot of people think, well, you know, the gifts of the Spirit are, uh, because we normally think of a gift as something that's given. If you have a gift, it's given to you, then it's yours. And there were people in times past, I don't know if today so much, but I'm, there's probably still people, they believe that, you know, that they just carry around the gifts. God's given me this gift or that gift. Well, that's not really the case. They're manifestations of the Spirit. You know, you're, you're a, uh, a living, conscious, uh, dynamic, vibrant person. You have personality. You're not just a, you know, just a, uh, like a shell of a person. Every one of us have personalities. We, we, uh, when we see Captain Kirby, we expect him to walk just like he does. We expect him to act like he does. He's, he's Captain Kirby. Laura would, would be weird if she came in trying to act like Captain Kirby. <laughs> we think, what in the world is wrong with, with Laura? She lost her mind? Nobody would try to act like Doug. <laughs> Just kidding. No, what I'm saying is we all have personality. We all have life. And 
what we do is a manifestation of that personality. The way we look, the way we talk, the way we laugh, the way we uh, uh, just interact with one another, it's, these are all manifestations of our person. Well, the Spirit manifests Himself these nine different ways. These, that's, what, that's what is meant by the manifestations of the Spirit. I want, I want my wife's personality to manifest most of the time. <laughs> the good parts. <laughs> and your personality is good. Now, you get angry and you manifest some other kind of personality. But your inherent personality is good. That's why people like you. They, they, people like Brother Steve because his personality. Now, if Steve comes in grumpy, that's, that's not typical of his personality and we won't like that as much. And that's true for all of us, isn't it? But I like my wife's personality. I want her personality to shine. I want it to, I, I, I want to be around that. I want it to manifest itself. Well, the Holy Spirit, we ought to have that same desire for the Holy Spirit to manifest his personality. And he manifests his personality through these nine gifts of the Spirit. And that's not all he does. He doesn't just manifest. He also demonstrates. We need demonstrations of the Spirit. And, and manifestations and demonstrations are not exactly the same thing. Manifestations are uh, the Holy Spirit uh, exhibiting his nature. He is, we have, we have three categories of gifts. The power gifts, the revelation gifts, and the utterance gifts. The Holy Spirit has something to manifest in all of these areas basically for the church and for the believer, for our corporate life together and for our individual life. I've had the gifts of the Spirit work in my life personally. When I wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, something for the church, it was just something for me. And uh, the gifts of the Spirit are there because the Holy Spirit lives in us. But then he also wants to demonstrate himself. The demonstrations of the Spirit are more for the world, more for outreach. The manifestations of the Spirit more for the church. Demonstrations are more for, for the unbeliever. But the church needs demonstrations of the Spirit too. Amen. You know, there's, there's uh, different demonstrations of the Spirit. On the day of Pentecost... We, have a, we had a manifestation of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was poured out and people began to speak with other tongues and, and, uh, and the people heard them and it was a manifestation of the Spirit, but it was also a demonstration to the people around them. It got the attention of the people in Jerusalem, didn't it? And it demonstrated God's power. Not only did they speak with other tongues, they got drunk. In the spirit. When the people came running to them, Peter, Peter stood up and said, these men, notice, notice Peter wanted to kind of remove himself from that crowd. <laughs> he said, these guys, 
He said, these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing but it's, it's just the third hour of the day. Well, uh, what, what made him say that? He, he, he recognized that they thought that the people were drunk. So there is a demonstration of the Spirit where you can be drunk in the Spirit. I've had it happen. It's a wonderful thing <laughs> because there's not, there are not any after effects. You don't feel bad the next day. You feel good. And, and uh, we need these demonstrations of the Spirit. Amen. And uh, some demonstrations of the Spirit are, in ti- are in- intended for signs. Did you know even tongues is intended for a sign, to be a sign? Now, we know from 1 Corinthians, we're here in the 12th chapter, and if you're going over to the 14th chapter, we know that there is the ministry of tongues in the church, that uh, tongues with interpretation uh, is equal to prophecy, and the vocal gifts edify and inform, and that's good for the church. We know that tongues has a personal benefit, that it edifies the person who speaks in tongues. We know that. But then there are times that, that, that uh, uh, the ministry of tongues and the gift of different kinds of tongues and so forth is assigned to people. And it's not always a good sign. Go with me over to the 14th chapter. Hallelujah. <clears throat> this, this passage used to really throw me. In 1 Corinthians 14, 21, it says, It is written in the law, With men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, And yet for all that, they will not hear me. The Spirit of God was saying that when when the gift of tongues and tongues are, speaking with tongues are in operation, sometimes people will turn away. For all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Now, if you stop right there, you're not confused. Tongues are assigned, tongues are given to profit the unbeliever and prophecy is given to, to bless the believer. Does everybody get that? Well, then the next verse takes us off the rail. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say you're out of your mind? And but if all prophesy, an unbeliever, an un, un, uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Wait a minute. Wait a doggone minute. Tongues are not are assigned not to the believer, but to the unbeliever, and this is the sign. They think you're crazy. That's the sign. They'll think you're crazy. Well, that doesn't sound like a very good sign. And he says in verse 22, prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. And then in verse 24, he says, if you prophesy and unbelievers come in, they think it's great. It's because some signs don't always produce positive results. On the day of Pentecost, 
tongues was a sign to those people, but it didn't produce a positive result in everybody because some people thought they were crazy. Some people thought they were drunk. Others thought they were crazy. And remember, remember when uh, Jesus was born and when they took, Mary and Joseph took, took Jesus into the temple to present him before the Lord. Remember Simeon, the prophet, came and he took Jesus, the baby Jesus, in his arms. And uh, he spoke uh, over that child. And, and, and the Bible says that Mary and Joseph were, were kind of astonished at the things that he spoke. And they just pondered those things in their heart. But then he gave the baby back and he turned to Mary and he said that... Uh, that what was happening was also going to be a sign that would pierce, he said it will pierce your heart. So there are signs that come from God that aren't necessarily such a blessing to begin with. But God has a purpose. God provided, God provided uh, the ministry of Jesus to bless people but some people, it, it, it exposed the devil in them, flushed out the devil in them, and his righteousness and his holiness and his power and his majesty was a sign of judgment to them. Well, we need all the signs. Amen. And sometimes, you know, tongues, if properly interpreted in the church, they equal prophecy, and, and we all get edified. But then there are times we, we, we should realize there are, t- there are times when things go on by the Spirit that make people mad. They, do, they, they don't like it. I've had people confront me after a service where we had the Holy Spirit was moving in, in tongues and people were speaking in tongues. I had people come, strangers come up and, and, and uh, 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 confront me. It, it raised their, their ire. It got them all, you know, angry and upset. Well, uh, it was still a sign. It was a sign that, that pointed out where they were missing it, where their problems were. We need all of the manifestations of the Spirit. Amen. Because there, there, there is a revival that has to come to this earth. And I don't believe for one minute that the United States will be left out of it. I do, I do believe that the United States is drifting more and more in the godless direction. And I don't know that the revival will reverse that. But for the believer, for the Christian, we have every right. Whatever's going on overseas, what in other nations of the world where revival's taking place, God has not left us out. Because we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has not forsaken us in America and we're gonna have our day, praise God. There is an, an awakening coming to the church and there is revival and there is a move of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. And we need to be diligent and we need to be hungry and we need to be stirred up and we need to be mindful of the ministry of the Spirit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, the Holy Spirit can... can demonstrate his presence in so many different ways. How many of you were here uh, a few weeks ago, I don't know how many, three or four weeks ago, on a Sunday night we had a testimony service. You remember that service? Now, we have testimonies, but everybody knows the service I was talking about. Amen? There was a, a night where it was just, a, I mean, we had, I, I lost count. 
of how many people that testified. And it wasn't, it wasn't all just, you know, praise report, you know, I, I lost my cat and I prayed and God sent him back home. If, you, if you're a cat lover, I know that's important. And, and God, will, God will send your cat home to you. So I believe in that. But these were tests, by and large, these were testimonies about deeper things. What God meant to people and what he'd done in their lives and changed their life. And it was so refreshing. Well, I came to church that night and I was fully prepared to teach. I was going to teach. I come to it and I was just going to teach. And uh, something happened in the service that sort of changed the direction of the service. And I realized I'm standing, I'm standing right over there in front of my seat. We were all standing up, you know, in, uh, during, during the offering, I think. No, right after the offering. They, Steve was singing, you know, after they, while they were taking up the offering. And I was standing there thinking, I can't teach. Be, it'd, just be, it'd just be out of place because of the direction things went. This would just not work. And I said, well, Lord, just in my heart, you know, I'm having this conversation. Lord, what am I going to do now? And the Spirit of God said, have a testimony service. Now, we often have testimony services just because we kind of have a, a, a prompting, you know, and, and it's a good thing. It's always good to have testimonies. Sometimes the Lord will just prompt us, you know, before service, take a few testimonies. But this was different that night. This was different. The Lord spoke to me and said, very emphatically, have a testimony service. And so that's why I got up that night and, and I introduced it and I said, now, we're going to have a testimony service. And remember, I had whoever, whoever comes up, I want somebody else ready. And, I, and everybody tried to give the mic back to me. Remember that? That's why we normally do testimony. Somebody testifies and they give the mic back and then we, you know, ask. I said, no. Whoever's in the pulpit, find the next person and call them up there and give them the mic. It took about three to get that, that you know, that uh, routine going. But uh, the point was nobody anticipated that happening. Nobody. It doesn't normally happen. And, and we talked about it. It was an amazing time. That's a demonstration of the Spirit. It's not, it's not so much the manifestation. It's a demonstration of the Spirit. When God takes over and starts doing things a little differently in a service than we had planned, and particularly when he gives specific direction to go some way that, that we hadn't planned on going, when the minister hadn't planned on going that way, and the Spirit speaks and it takes the service in a way, that's a demonstration of the Spirit. There's all kinds of demonstrations of the Spirit. We're familiar with, uh, you know, dancing in the Spirit. That's a demonstration of the Spirit. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Now, it seems to me, just meddle a little bit. I'm entitled. It seems to me that running is a little nicer looking than dancing. And people will more readily run than they will dance in the spirit. That's why we have more running. And less dancing. Because you look nicer when you're running. Sometimes. <laughs> Most people. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? We used to have more dancing than we have. And we've just sort of gravitated to running. Well, what happened to dancing? Was it a move of the spirit? Was it a demonstration of the Spirit? Well, was that just for a season? And God doesn't do that anymore? No, He does. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. We, uh, we used to have services where, where the Spirit would move in laughter. God is still inspiring laughter. But why isn't it happening? Because we're not thinking about it. Because we're not in, in, entertaining the demonstration of the Spirit like we should. Come on now. Amen. So we need to stir ourselves up. Now, I did not say we need to put on a laugh. I don't, not too many people would put on a dance, I don't think. But uh, we don't need to be putting on anything. But we need to entertain the Spirit, and we need to have a hunger for the demonstrations of the Spirit. We need to get back. And any time the preacher talks about getting back to something, you know what's happened. Huh? Yeah, what's that called? Backsliding. So we've backslidden a bit. Oh, good news. The pastor talked and told the church we were backslidden. We always, in, we always should be maintaining momentum in the spirit, moving forward in the spirit. When we get lax and, 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 and uh, satisfied and stop reaching and stop being hungry, we slide back from what God has for us. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. It's the truth. We're going to have some times in the Spirit. It's God's will. It's God's plan. We're going to make, oper- we're going to make provision for it. You know, if we don't make provision for the things of the Spirit, they just don't happen. Because the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He doesn't push himself. If, if standing over there, if I hadn't said... Now what, Lord? He would not have said anything to me. So we, we have to entertain the things of the Spirit. To have the demonstrations and manifestations of the Spirit that we need. Amen? At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.